You're listening to True Stories Told Live. Welcome to Speakeasy, where our tellers get on stage with their whole, authentic, beautifully human selves and speak their experience. No notes, just the memory of a life lived. On our stage, you'll hear humor, hope, embarrassment, disappointment, grief, lust, anger, love, remembrance, the whole brilliant and nuanced spectrum of what it is to live as individuals in community with others. Here at Speakeasy, our incredibly gracious audience holds all of it, sighing together, laughing together, crying together, and cheering our hearts out together. There's a symbiotic thing we've got going here between our tellers and our listeners, where each person creates that sacred space that just unflinchingly holds each other's stories, where we bear bits of our souls and bear witness. Join us the first Thursday of every month in Columbus, Ohio, at 7 p.m., where we gather at Wild Goose Creative, nestled in amongst the gallery's newest art exhibit. With a simple theme as inspiration, 10 tellers sign up, brave up, step up in front of a microphone, and get honest. What you're about to hear is one of those stories. All right. Oh, this is cool. I can't see any of you. That's so amazing. Um, I wasn't, uh, when I came here, this, uh, my friend Fred brought me, and I didn't know exactly what this was. So when I heard there was the theme, I, um, I was going to tell a different story, but I, I have a story about extended family. I grew up in Detroit a long time ago in a very small family. I had a father and a mother, four grandparents, brother and a sister, but no aunts or uncles or first cousins because my parents were both only children, which was an odd thing in that generation. Um, my grandparents and I were very close. My father and I were not close. My father uh, had... Um, they would say now, an anger management problem. Um, and so family life, nuclear family life, was pretty awful when I was growing up from my sister and my brother and I. But our grandparents were wonderful. Uh, they were loving, doting, like grandparents are kind of supposed to be. Um, and they taught me about love and so forth. But then I moved uh, from Detroit to California where I went to school and uh, was far away from my nuclear family. And I realized that um, although my father made family a difficult word for me, he was right when he said family was really important. So I started to make family. And you know, other people have kind of suggested that tonight, too, um, that you make family. Um, and I knew that you could do this because my parents, being only children, had friends who they taught us to call uncle and aunt. So I didn't know that they weren't related to me in any way. But I learned that the words of family can be used for people who are not connected to you. And of course, there's adoption and there's all kinds of other ways that people are family and marriage itself, where they're not related by, by blood. So I began to be the one who did the holiday dinners. I was the cook. I invited people. Um, when I lived in California, I used to have about 15, 20 people. I was there for 25 years. When I moved here, 
my first Thanksgiving, I ate by myself because I didn't know anybody yet. But little by little, I'm, I'm up to between 10 and 15, depending. Um, and I have friends in my life who I use family terms for. And they use family terms also. So my friend Jimmy calls me uncle. My friend Richard calls me his brother. My friend Doug calls me his brother. Um, I have two women who call me their brother also, and I call them my sister. Um, and most importantly is this story. I had a friend who was Pakistani. He doesn't live here anymore, but we used to draw together. He was an artist, and I was an artist, and we went to a, a gay men's um, sketch group. And uh, so one day I asked Barbara, I said, what do Pakistani people eat? Is it like Indian food? I don't really know. He says, well, we have a proverb in Pakistan. He said, the Indians think that we eat too much meat, and we think they have too much sex, <laughs> which I thought was a very, very <laughs> odd thing for him to say. He says, well, how about if I cook a dinner like my mother used to make for Eid? And I said, that's a good answer to my question, you know, actually. He says, we'll make a party of it. So there was all these people that showed up at his house, and he made 15 dishes, all of which had meat in them. Um, we ate on the floor with our right hands. He told us how to do it. Um, and I was sitting next to people I didn't know all around, except for Bobber. I didn't know anybody. So I'm sitting there and um, next to a guy who uh, I don't know. We introduce ourselves. And... Um, but then Bobber brings down a big bowl of something that we thought was hummus, because it looked like hummus. And then some, what looked like extra thick pita bread. And he says, you just take the bread and you, you know, take pieces and you dip it. And we said, oh, we know what to do, we know what to do. So we started to eat this and we realized it wasn't hummus, because chickpeas have a particular flavor. And this didn't taste at all like chickpeas. So we said, Bobber, what is this? It's not hummus. He says, oh, no, 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 it's not hummus. It's my mother's favorite dish. It's curried goat brains. <laughs> <coughs> now, the laughing that I just heard actually was this guy and I started laughing hysterically. We almost lost control because it was delicious. <laughs> but we never wanted to hear curry and goat and brain in the same <laughs> sentence ever again in our lives. Um, so that somehow enabled us to kind of really talk freely with each other. And we talked all evening. And I thought he was maybe 30 years old. He had a big beard. And um, turns out he started saying things that made me think he wasn't that old. So I asked him, how old are you? And he says, oh, 19. And I was totally flabbergasted. And he says, yeah, everyone thinks I'm 30. So we became friends. And... Um, over time, you know, I'd have him and his partner over for dinner, and um, one day I was at a conference in Texas, and he called me up, and he says, I, he was really upset, and I said, Tony, what's wrong? He said, well, I don't know what to do. Um, my boyfriend just came home drunk, and he smacked me around. And I said, well, no one gets to hit anybody ever, for, forever. Um, are you hurt? Do you need medical attention? He said, no, I'm just kind of in shock. I said, where's Ken now? And he said, well, he left. He was drunk. And I said, well, I don't think you should stay there. 
tonight. Um, he says, I don't want to stay here tonight. I, I don't know where to go. I said, you can go to my place. He says, I don't have a key. I said, I know that. I'll call my nephew Jimmy and tell him to get over to your house within 10 minutes with a key. And he did. I said, just stay at my place till I get back. So when I got back, you know, he was still there. He realized he couldn't be with his boyfriend. And um, so he stayed with me for a while. And uh, after uh, a couple of months, he met uh, uh, somebody and they fell in love. And he said, Colin wants me to move with him out west. What do you think? And I said, well, if it was anybody else, I'd say, are you crazy after two months? But I said, Colin's a nice guy. He's pretty grounded. And I said, you had a hard life here. Your mother died when you were eight. Your father was in prison for counterfeiting. And you were raised in foster families where you were sexually and physically abused. I said, you've had a hard time here in Ohio. Go away. You can always come back here. But go see the, go see the world. Uh, look at your life here with some perspective. On the way out to Portland, where they were going, he called me every day. And um, it was wonderful to hear his voice. And he started calling me Babo. And I used to call him Kiddo. Hey, Kiddo, how are you doing? So one day after he called me Babo the third time, I said, Tony, do you know that Babo means something in Italian? He says, yeah, it means dad. I said, oh. He said, maybe we should talk about that. So over a period of a week, we talked about that particular topic every single day while he was on, on route and once he had arrived. And at the end of the week, we agreed to be father and son forever and ever, amen. And we've arranged you know, financial things and so forth so that he really is my son. I can't adopt him officially in Ohio because of local rules, but we're doing all the things around that. That was 13 years ago. And it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. And he's in, he is my chief extended family, if you will. Um, and I feel like I'm the luckiest dad on earth. Yeah.